Hello and welcome to Clergy and Callers Getting Coffee. Today, my special guest is the Reverend Michael Galicia from St. Luke's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Saxonburg, PA. That is a mouthful. That is. Uh, he went to college <laughs> in, at the University of Tulsa where you studied electrical engineering. And during that time, you fell in love with building uh, music and audio equipment. And you are quite a musician. I know that you play at least drums, guitar, bass, and piano. Yep. Uh, somewhere along the line, you decided seminary was a good thing. So you went <laughs> to Salt Lake's uh, Theological Seminary, and now you're currently at Pittsburgh Theological getting your doctorate of ministry in missional leadership. So welcome to the show. Thank you. It's exciting to be here. <laughs> it's exciting to be here. So since you are a music guy. Uh oh. Uh, yeah. So we'll start there. What, what is a piece of music or pieces of music that you can listen to and or play that like instantly ground and or refuel you? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Okay. So whenever I find myself um, heading into a season of depression or just times when I'm feeling down. Um, I go to the music that sounds like the feeling that an eighth grade boy gets when he's given extra mozzarella sticks <laughs> because I absolutely love ska punk. All right. That is, I, that is very, I don't think I'd ever thought about that. That's an interesting connection. So that's where you go. Ska. That is, punk. that is my happy place music. And who is ska punk? Like who would so, that be? So this is, um, so I originally found it um, because I was a Christian kid growing up in the like golden age of non-worship Christian music, the late nineties. Right. Um, we're looking at like Five Iron Frenzy, OC Supertones, uh, the Insiders. And then from there, I got into uh, kind of, you know, Real Big Fish, um, they might be giants mm -hmm. uh, leaning you know, towards the Aquabats, just all those kind of like classic third wave ska. Mm -hmm. um, the, the way I've heard it described is um, ska is someone looking at the world saying, this is terrible, but I have a trumpet. Uh, and, and it really fits like the comp, there's a lot of, uh, well, there can be a lot of really good social commentary in ska. Yeah. Um, some of the, because it came out of, um, so it came out of that like era of punk music with like Operation Ivy, um, kind of those early groups that ended up spawning off into like Green Day and the Offspring, uh, and Rancid, uh, those sorts of things. Uh, so it has that like people looking at the world and saying something is not right here, but it also has a brass section and it's really hard to be sad when you've got like a trumpet, a trombone and a saxophone all blaring at you. Oh yeah. And they also tend to not be like, they don't play the long notes, right? It's the short, like, yeah, they, they're like, they're hitting you in there and it's got that, like that upbeat, uh, emphasis. Like it's just, if you're ever feeling down, ska is great music to just kind of like go, you know, maybe it isn't so bad. Yeah, it's it is a genre of music to which it's all you can't like to not move your body or nod your head or something. It's real. It is a genre of music that that's very hard because it's so beat 
it has such a mm -hmm. weak emphasis that it, it it's difficult to or I don't know, maybe that's just you and me, but I doubt it. <laughs> like, I feel like that's probably a lot of um a lot of people. That's interesting. Well, so it, how it's, about like do, do you sorry, go ahead. No, there there's been a fun ska resurgence lately. Um not too long ago. So there was a um there there was a song going around TikTok uh by a guy and the song was uh, I, I believe the title of the song is Call a Cab. Okay. Um, and they, a bunch of other musicians turned that into a ska song. Oh. Uh, and that that's constantly in my head. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So like when you, so that's where what you do when you need to get out of a funk, right? Yeah. Or, or you can feel that um, season of depression, which I might uh by the way, go back to talking about that a little oh, more okay. if you're comfortable. But um, what, like, if you're writing a sermon and stuff, do you listen to certain types of music or do you go silent? Uh, so I usually have um, like some manner of long form YouTube video on in the background when I'm watching a sermon, something that's just kind of like almost background noise. Okay. Um, but I, because if it's music, I'll get distracted. Um, but if it's like somebody just talking about like the history of some obscure thing, um, then it's, it's something I can kind of tune out, but like can also like, yeah. if I'm starting to get bogged down in the sermon, I can kind of shift over and be like, okay, follow it for a little bit and then get back to it. I am exactly the opposite on that. <laughs> like, it is like I couldn't I couldn't have like I'll I'll say like YouTube. Uh there's some people that I always watch, like John Oliver, mm -hmm. big TED Talks, like big oh, okay. on to that kind of stuff. That tends to be what the kind of kind of things that I like um on YouTube. And yeah, I can't I can't watch those things and then do something else that also takes my mind work. <laughs> like, okay. I can, I can, I can listen to some of those things and do something that doesn't take my mind work, like vacuuming. Oh, but right. I can't, um, I can't, I often when I'm writing sermons, it is like classical music. Like there are just, oh, there okay. are just like no words because I mean, lyrics, I don't know. It's, it's interesting the way that, that, that emotes, but I don't, do you have things that now it's a completely different response when I get stuck? like when I'm wrestling with a piece mm -hmm. of scripture and I'm like, I've read it and I read it and I read it. And it's either, it's something so familiar that I feel like I've preached a thousand sermons on this. Oh yeah. Right? Those are tough. That'd be hard, right? I hate those. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. Or, um, you know, it's a point where I've seen something new or I've mm. read something that I know is influencing it. Or if it's like a really just so full that, I don't know where to go. Then I have to like often read, reread, read again, and then do something full on active. Like I can't, oh, okay. I, I can't like sit at my desk and go, Hmm, I wonder what Paul meant when he said, I know, <laughs> I know I can read the stuff that I feel like I need to read. And then I have to like, my custodian at my church hates it because traditionally it revolves my cleaning out a closet. Oh. Or something like yeah. that. He's like, what are you doing? See, when I when I start to get bogged down in stuff like that, if I'm getting like way too in the weeds, yeah, that's usually where I take a breath and I'm just like, you know, 
is me worrying about like this particular phrase going to do anything to help the average person in the pew live out their life as a follower of Jesus any better? Mm. Like, am I getting so stuck on this thing that is exciting to me that it's not going to, it's not going to matter to anybody else. And they're just going to check out. Mm. Um, so many things in my life that fit that category. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> but because I, I, I've noticed like if I, so what I'm still a manuscript preacher, like I have to have everything. Me also. Yeah. Because if I don't, I will ramble and I will get distracted in weird rabbit holes that I think are interesting and no one else does. And that's usually when my wife will kind of start giving me some of this, like you need to knock it off because nobody's following you anymore. Yeah. Um, I, with the manuscript, still manage to get into some rabbit <laughs> um, You know, even like this past Sunday, I, you know, I was preaching a sermon on welcoming. Uh, that's what it was about radical welcome okay uh from paul oh yeah because you do narrative you don't do RCL. yeah i do narrative yeah so it was paul and barnabas yeah because i've been doing this i mean i just could i needed a break i needed a change of scenery or something uh, i i just flipped the other way i did narrative at my last church and, then and i switched then i've I been doing rcl it. here oh yeah and i mean i love there's so much and there there are times i go oh maybe i should just do a sermon series on this but i'm really i i did that for like a year i did a bunch of different series and mm. um it was enjoyable but i don't know that's something i could keep up. i i like having the ability to go back and like if somebody gets mad at something that i say because a, a thing that <laughs> almost always a thing that i hear is you talk about justice too much uh, and I'm like, you're like, so does the Bible. Right. And so for me to be able to then go, it's like, okay, well, here's the text that is assigned for the day. Like, this isn't something that I'm just coming up with. Like, right. here it is. Argue with the people who came up with the RCL. <laughs> like, cause, cause then, then I like having that privilege because then it's not like me getting on some like topic that's interesting to me. It's there's still at least that like assigned scripture to keep me honest, I guess. Yeah. But you've heard that. I've heard this before that like pastors really just have three sermons that we, um, every sermon we preach really just like, they're like three themes, whatever that you just. I mean, Jesus really with. only had one. So right. <laughs> why, exactly. why not? No, there's nothing bad about that. They just like, it's just like sometimes what somebody has gravitated towards is they've, they've seen a thread. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, oh, this is one of your, this is one of those threads. Justice. And that's why I like having, I love having other people in the pulpit at the church I serve Mm. because they're not just getting my three sermons all the time. They're getting someone else's three sermons too. Yeah. No, um, my people, unfortunately, they only get that when I'm, I'm out of the pulpit. Um, oh, see, and I, I have a, so it, it, their, uh, their, their title is associate in ministry. Uh, it's kind of minister of word and service. Okay. Um, the, our, the denomination I'm in right now doesn't actually have a title for it, but that's a long, very frustrating okay. story. Uh, but I try to have her preach at least once a month in order to like get that different perspective and also to give, get her in front of the congregation 
and because she is she is a part of the pastoral office of the church. Right. So I don't know why this made me think. Well, I do know why it made me think of it. But, um, you know, that collaborative ver versus uh, competitive sort of nature mm -hmm. of things. Are you a, a gamer, like a board gamer or I, um, a video gamer? I have a video game, game problem. You, a um, problem? Okay. <laughs> so I, I am a... I say I'm a I'm a recovering, uh, massively multiplayer online role playing game player. So yeah, okay, yeah. Um, but I have to. Um, I I know that about myself, and so I avoid those type of games, uh, because okay. um, like when I was in seminary, like I spent way too much time. Now I have like, people that I have I haven't played that. Let's see, I haven't played, in altogether too long uh 14 years or so wow um but and i have very close friends who i met because of this right um and i deeply value the friendships and the time but one of them is starting to get into it again and all of like there's like four others of us they're like no we can't do it you can't, <laughs> do it. You can't go down we like will, some rabbit holes need to stay we will enjoy you playing that game but we're not getting into it we just can't yeah, but something about the way that you mentioned that made me feel like you're somebody who prefers things that like that, that are collaborative or collective versus like there's got to be one winner. I, I've learned about myself. I don't actually care all that much about winning, but I hate losing. Oh, I get that. Yeah. I so care like, about winning though, but yes, I, well, get, yeah. I get both. <laughs> so I like situations where like, there isn't a loser necessarily. Right. Um, because I don't want to be that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I'm often bad at video games that are competitive. Like mm -hmm. I've never been all that good at Mario Kart. Um, I'm terrible at first person shooters. Um, and so. That's a terrible name, by the way. It is. Just, um, just FYI. <laughs> that's fair. Um, but because of that, like. I, I don't enjoy them, so I don't play them. Right. Um, I I've I kind of gravitate towards games that are more story based. Mm -hmm. And I and I play them like for me, it's more about experiencing the story through the medium and right. not like the actual like game part. Like I'm the kind of person that like if I'm playing a uh, a role-playing game like I'll find a walkthrough because I don't care about figuring out the game I just want to experience the story for myself so you would have uh probably really enjoyed this but this past like my sibling and I we all met up and and uh rented uh cabins in Tennessee together and with you know so all our kids could hang out and all and so we could hang out right and mm -hmm. uh my brother Jacob now my sibling, I am the only one not. My husband and I are the only ones not into like role play, like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, whatever. yeah. Our sons are currently part of the library kids Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, nice. Quest. Like they're there. They can't wait until awesome. they get to go. Right. It is. It is. It awesome. is a great way to learn storytelling, to learn how to work together. Like it's, yeah. yeah so much. And so because my sibling play, I'm very familiar with. I don't know the the benefits of the, the like the sort of its own culture in many many ways. Oh yeah. But um, but I'm not. I don't excel in that type of uh, game. <laughs> um, 
and murder mysteries and parties and stuff. Like I try, I'm terrible at all yeah. that stuff. Like any role playing thing, I, I'm. Uh, but I love my brother, so he was so excited, and he did. He designed this story where then we used Jenga to tell. Okay. So every time to see, like, instead of rolling a dice or whatever, like when we decided we were going to go do that, we had to move the Jenga piece Interesting. in order to see what happened on this quest. And so I'll, I'll try to find the details and give, and give that to you. But do you find, like, ministry is often very isolating, or it can be. It what is. So, so I'm laughing because there is another interesting... Um, similarity between church ministry and uh role-playing games oh, especially sure. the massively multiplayer ones um and this one's this this might get me in trouble um when you have not with me but with others right with, yeah so um i i've noticed that oftentimes and not not always um and and i would say that it happens less frequently in healthy churches um, you often get people in leadership in churches who are frustrated with how their secular life is going. Hmm. Like they, they haven't achieved the success that they wanted. They, they, and they feel like they should have more. And so they kind of exert their, they, they let themselves get in charge of things at church that they really shouldn't be in charge of, but they enjoy being in charge. The, the authority, uh, yeah. And it tends to go badly because they they don't have the, the the reason why they are less successful than they want to be is they don't have the skills to like they haven't developed the skills to be more successful, and that plays out when they're trying to do the same thing. And yeah, that happens in a similar way in online role playing games. Uh, because you get people who just want to be in charge of things, but they don't actually know how to be in charge of things. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, and I haven't played enough. I would never uh, volunteer for a leadership role in a role-playing game because oh. I legit don't know what I'm doing. But it, that's interesting. Um, well, it's interesting to hear you sort of say that because when I go into new places sometimes, new ministry cooperations or whatever, I often will ask um, you know, in probably in different ways, but like, okay, let me see all the rules. I like to know the, oh, rules, uh -huh. right. I, I, I believe we follow someone who knew all the rules, right? Jesus knew all the rules so that he could know how to break them and or bend them. I mean, right? you're definitely a Presbyterian pastor. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm a Presbyterian because I love the rules, <laughs> but but what I, but, but somebody, I like, I grew up playing games, but not role-playing games, but games and Monopoly, of course, classic. Mm -hmm. But what you notice when you play Monopoly is more so than probably any other game I played, house rules are oh, rampant. Oh yeah, yes, absolutely. Right, in Monopoly. And so I'm always like, when I go to new places where there's structures and I'll read the rule books and then I'll go, okay, so what are the house rules? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, and they're always different. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, I see how this is in theory. How do we practice this? Like, what 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 are the house rules now? Now mm -hmm. you got to give me the house rules. And and some places, uh, there's a hesitancy to do that because of some deep seated trust issues, right? Yep. Or they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, then I'm just gonna have to sit back and observe because I know they ex they exist in all mm -hmm. structures. 
right? Well, and they it, have, yeah. In in ways that it doesn't work out that way in, for instance, Monopoly, um, in churches, a lot of those house rules, like if you ask people what they are, they won't, they won't even know. They won't know what the rules are until one of them is broken. Like, and, and then it becomes a thing, but they, they wouldn't have even thought about it until it happened. Yeah. And then, and then it's, I feel like it's a job as a leader or moderator to get more in the weeds than with them to be like, hmm, what's really, what seems that seems like a lot happened over. Yeah. Over and and it, it is, it's almost always based in some kind of unresolved trauma. Um, yeah. That that just got kind of shoved underneath uh, because they they otherwise liked the pastor except for this one thing, uh-huh. um, and so yeah. So I mean that brings me back to what I was going to ask about. You talked about the seasons. Is that um, is you know ministry is very isolating in lots of lots of ways. Right? Mm-hmm. Most many of us don't have as pastors. We don't have job descriptions. Right. Um, and if we do, have, they're lies. <laughs> or <laughs> like, you might have like, we would, you know, you have like in our denomination, I don't know what they call it with uh, in Lutheran, but, but like um, we have a, a search form, right? A, a mm-hmm. church information form. And in it, it will have like the skill sets that you want and, and sort of some of the right. things that you want or whatever, but you don't have like, you have a terms of call, but that's completely different. Well, than, and the terms of call are always like. Well, those we'll, are tied to salary and salary. Yeah, well, and and they might have something in like we'll preach the word and provide for the sacraments. And I was like, okay, great. That's doesn't that yeah, doesn't actually that, say anything. That that's as much as like that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. generally a lot of times where you kind of so you have to kind of develop that or whatever. So, what are some things that you you do because. I imagine, like you talked about the seasons of depression, right? And, mm-hmm. and engaging in some ska, but aside from ska punk, like <laughs> what are some things or or do you notice or recognize patterns where you're like, man, I should not be alone in my, like I'm in the, my office is in the basement. So there are oh, days okay. that I go, I mean, all our offices are in the basement. Only the sanctuary is up above. So like, you know, there are days where I go, whoo, I'm not going to read and or write. I am not going to be productive mm. if I sit in my office cave today. Yeah. Like this is not a good day to sit in my office cave. I'm going to go sit in the coffee shop. And even if I don't talk to a single soul, because <laughs> I really don't want to talk to anybody, I'll go to the coffee shop in the next town over. Oh, right. <laughs> right. But because um, I live in a small community and uh, I also love to talk. So, <laughs> uh, you know, if I really, really have to get that work done, but I'm like, I can't be in here because whatever it's yeah. January and it's gray outside and it's been 27 gray days in a row or whatever the case may be. So what do you, how do you, what do you do? What's your path? Um, so the biggest thing and the thing that I am a massive, uh, uh, enthusiastically uh, a proponent of is I have a counselor that I see regularly. Uh, yes. And someone who is just completely outside of the church, the the thing, and and uh, the way a friend of mine put it, it's someone that I don't have to worry about what they need from me. <laughs> right. Um, because like inevitably, like 
I mean, there is that, I mean, as a pastor, like, yeah, we're supposedly the, you know, the, the shepherd of this congregation, but there's also a transactional bit there because like the people in the congregation are paying us for our, for a service. Mm-hmm. And, and as much as I hate that, that is a transactional thing. Like it's, it's there. Um, and so like, I never feel like I can really talk about what's going on with people in the church because like that, that it muddies waters too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I do also have a couple of um, pastors groups that I'm a part of locally uh, that allows for a little bit of that, where it's more like um, there, there's at least that peer interaction Um there's and if I'm in two of them accidentally, um, but there it, I mean it's good. Like it's right. it's good to have yeah th- those get-togethers where you kind of just sit around and you know have some time to just share prayer requests where you can actually be honest about stuff mm-hmm. um, and not have to worry about it floating through the vents to whispering ears. Mm-hmm. Um, always amazing like how church rumor mills are frightening Um, all rumor mills are frightening yes yeah um (laughs) we just have thousands of years of experience right um and then also it's just it's having i have a lot of friends who and it's largely this group that i met playing world of warcraft right um it's folk who are largely atheists agnostics or otherwise wounded by church Mm. Um, and they, in a lot of ways, keep me grounded because it gets me like, it's so easy for pastors to get in this. I'm only around Christians bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they kind of remind me what it's like outside of that bubble. Um, and kind of, and have called me on things where, you know, things that I just didn't realize I was doing. And they're like, Hey, maybe that, 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 maybe that's not something. And I'm like, oh, now that you point it out, like, yeah, that's obviously probably not something I should be doing. Um, and so that that group has really been helpful um, in just kind of keeping me from getting too much in the that Christendom bubble that right. is so easy to get locked into. It, it is easy to get, because it's fun too, right? I mean, I mean, we're in doctoral programs, clearly there's something right. find fun. <laughs> about it right so i mean that's that's hard um but you know do you find it like are there days like that like i was describing where you 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 know you like i have got to man if i don't do xyz i am not getting off this couch today oh okay yeah i got i got yeah i got you now uh i do have those days usually they're most prominent on sunday morning when i don't have a choice (laughs) Like the, the days when it really manifests that, like, yeah, I just want to sit, sit on my couch with a book and do nothing is, is almost always on a Sunday morning when I can't. Um, I love that you chose a book and not television. Cause I'm legit will binge watch TV on a do nothing day more than. Well, and that that's mostly because there's. <laughs> Uh, so there's a there's a book series that I enjoy uh, about well, Dune. A, apparently, Dune is one of yeah. The Dune is Dune is definitely pro- prominent. There's also um, you might notice the giant stompy robots uh, yes. in different places. Uh, I love the BattleTech universe. Yeah, uh, it's a yeah, giant stompy robots, mm-hmm. um, and 
a lot of times, like whenever there's a new release, a new Battletech release, like I will just devour, you know, sit and read like 300 pages of history of a fictional universe right? Um, and just get lost in that. Right. Um, well, because at least with a fictional universe, you don't have to think about how it impacts you. You can just like legitimately right. enjoy. And like, I am not responsible for this at all. And this one has been fun because it's um, unlike many other science fiction universes, um, it has done a really good job of adapting over time mm. um, where like it started out very much in like 80s science fiction of like, yes, our girls are in bikinis, but the boys are too. So it's okay. Like that kind of vibe. Right. Um, but as as time has gone on, it's gotten more, um, it's gotten to where like they can have a short story uh, that features LGBTQ characters uh, in a very positive way. Right. Uh, in a way that it's not like waving around like this is our token, but it's just, this is just part of the world. And we're telling a story of someone who is part of this world. Right. Right. Um, it and, was very, very hard not to sing Little Mermaid right there. By oh, me. that's fair. Yeah. yeah. I, I apologize. You know, it's all right. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. No, I, I, I think that's really fascinating. It does make me think like, I'm always curious as to what, what are conversations that uh, pastors think um, churches should be having that they're not having. I don't know why this, I don't know if you can hear that. It's yeah. like a potential spam call, but now it's suddenly whatever. I love, oh, I like yeah. that. It, I like that the phones now tell us when it's spam. You know, I've, um, I've just gotten to where if it's not a number that's already in my phone, they can leave a message because I cannot trust it. Right. Like my phone number is in too many places. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. It, basically, like if your cell phone number is on the church website or something, that'll get scraped that'll get, and then. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. But um, yeah, but I, I anyway, now in the potential spam just lost my, my thing. Oh, yeah. Conversation. Oh, yeah. Like the church should be having that that they're really not having. Cause I think sometimes it depends. Some denominations have them better uh, than others. And, um, but are there any that you feel, cause you, you know, you mentioned some of the not to have token conversations, right? About, or have token characters or things that mm -hmm. you looked up to be like, oh, look, we're done having this conversation because we did X, Y, Z. Um, are there things like that that you feel like, and I, I, when I say the church, I don't mean specific to your. Right. Right. Um, I think in a lot of ways, um, I mean, there's, there's different levels, right? I mean, there's so many expressions of Christianity that are floating out there, even like, so that to paint with a broad brush, I mean, you've got like, to, if I'm going to simplify everything down, you've got the churches that have married themselves to the political right. Yeah. And you've gotten the churches that have married themselves to the political left. Um, and the ones that are on the right aren't just aren't really dealing with the fact that they have basic, they're basically trying to be the people who killed Jesus. Mm. Um, whereas the people on the left are kind of getting trapped in this. Um, I'm not sure the best it's, it's, almost turning into a you don't need Jesus 
you just think like God just becomes this nebulous accepting love machine and there's no like there, there's nothing else there um it's not it's not grounded it's literally the yeah. cloud at the other end of the rainbow versus and and it's that yeah and yeah. and of course there's there is a whole slew of like I'm I'm very much over generalizing um but it like that taking Christianity and boiling it down to uh, a God who says, do whatever you want, there's no consequences, and then boiling it down to a God who says, don't do exactly what I say, there are consequences. Like, both of those don't represent who God is. Mm. I, You know, I often, it makes me think there are times where I feel like... Um like those two extremes that you're describing, which I, I I may or may not describe them in quite the same way, but but sometimes I wonder if if at the heart of some of that stuff, right? Because on like on one end of the spectrum, right, it's very controlling, regulated, mm. almost militant in the way that it is, right? If you don't do this, then you're like yeah. these are the things, and there's no room for variance or variety in that thing. Same though, right. <laughs> Right on the on on a different side, and I would say on both you sort of see uh, aspects of cancel cultures, different mm -hmm. they're yep. canceling different. different cultures, but yep. but you see that, and and I wonder if not at the crux of that is like this idea of purity, which I'm not so sure was present in early Christianity because um, we were trying I'm, to figure out what they were. Right, I'm there's, definitely sure it wasn't present because you're a hundred well yeah. because the opportunity for it wasn't there mm. like i mean you look at all of this like there was not opportunity to develop nicene christianity before christianity became legal because you can't put together all the leaders of the church in one place when they're all going to get arrested for it yeah um right. and so you have these like you know, you have Alexandrian Christianity that develops in a different way than Antiochian Christianity. And it, when, I, I, I hate to I hate to blame all of this on Constantine, but- I blame things on Constantine daily, if that makes I, you feel Between like Constantine and Augustine, I, I constantly blame- for, yeah. yeah. Um, but once, once doctrine started to get the threat of imperial punishment behind it, and then there only what then there only ever could be one right answer. And I think that like the ways that we have shut down conversations have mm -hmm. caused us to lessen who God is. Um, like I, I think of how twitchy people get when you bring up Jesus' humanity, for instance. Like if you propose that Jesus might have been wrong about something. Yeah, that's unacceptable. Right. Like you can't even, but like if you ask a shepherd about leaving 99 to follow one sheep, every shepherd will, will tell you that's stupid because you'll come back to no sheep. <laughs> right. Like, right. I mean, yeah. there, is, there is something I had a friend who said once, like, we always act like Jesus was the cool kid at the table at the, you know, in middle school, mm -hmm. but Jesus was not Jesus no. was like the most awkward think of like the kid who was like literally outcast by every mm -hmm. group. And yet 
not at the same time, right? right. Like, because he gets invited to the fancy dinner parties and he's also right. like hanging out, sleeping in a, in a ditch somewhere. Like, yeah. So I, I, I always, not always, but I routinely hear Jesus with a real snarky tone. Oh, 100%. Like there is. I, when Jesus is like, like never more than when I had um, babies learning how to sleep train. Oh, okay. Did Jesus trying to get some sleep on that boat when his disciples were afraid? <laughs> like never more did that, that that like there was no way i read that story at that time and didn't hear jesus going are you kidding me yeah well and and i i like there's so many times like uh so the our in the rcl the text not too long ago was um it was the the good shepherd or it's past sunday actually it was the okay. i'm the good shepherd i'm the gate that that whole yeah. section and Jesus is like, I'm, you know, the, there's, I'm the shepherd and there's the, the sheep and thieves come in and steal. And they, then the whole thing is just like, and they didn't get it. And he's like, Ugh. all right, look, I'm the gate, y'all. <laughs> like just this, I just read so much just exasperation in Jesus sometimes because yes. they, nobody gets it. He's like, over here, over here. Yeah. Like, look over yeah. here. <laughs> exactly. Like, and I was like, and the same happens. Like when I think about Jesus going, you don't understand earthly things and you expect me to explain heavenly things. I was like, <laughs> I don't know how I don't, I would love to like, it would be interesting for me only for nerdy me to hear pastors say that line in like every possible tone of voice. Oh yeah imaginable just like everybody just sort of i mean not at the same time so we could really hear it but i'm like having that like word right to audition for the role of jesus and like mm -hmm. you know i i think my very team. favorite one is um it's in i want to say it's in mark's gospel but jesus is like beware the yeast of the pharisees and the disciples grumble amongst themselves like wait is it because we don't have bread is that what it, it, is it because he needs food like Get this guy some food. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Like, were you there when I fed 5,000 people? Like, uh, yeah. How about when I fed 4,000? Like, well, yeah. It's not about bread. Not about bread. <laughs> it has never been about that. For, yeah. for that, in that, I mean, in that like parable or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see. Well, and then at different times in my life, I fell across different, I had, I, I hop around, right, that spectrum that you described. Like, there have mm -hmm. been points in my life where, you know, based on what I understood to be truth or real mm -hmm. or, you know, the way um, that then experience um, changed that for me. I, re you know, like, I'll give this example while maybe you think of your own example <laughs> is like when I was having a conversation once with one of my very good friends in Kenya, and this is when I was a Peace Corps volunteer. And I was just like, it was very early on in my service, you know, several, I was six months in maybe. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just don't understand polygamy. Mm. Right? Like, I I didn't live around a polygamous culture. And funny that story, was, I did. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> lived down in Utah, right? But like I just didn't grow up. And I had this very judgy 
perspective on the whole thing. And, you know, he was like, yeah, but you're from a country of serial monogamists. Like, how is that hmm. better? Like, at least in the polygamy structure, nobody's thrown out, everybody's taken care of, everybody has food and a house, like, mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. And I, and I was like, now I still not, I don't want to participate in polygamy myself, but I'm like, I, un, like, I right. got yeah. a different view than I had ever, um, that I had ever known before. And, and the judgment of being like, this is the only way, this is the right way began to shift and then continued as more and more knowledge was gained. Mm -hmm. That like little window opened up. Yeah. So I, I had an experience in college. Uh, so in college, like I had grown up in an kind of evangelical adjacent church, okay. uh, a very, you know, Lutheran church, very mainline, but just had a lot of those, like, it was, again, it was Christianity in the nineties. Like it was just yeah. that, that influence was definitely there. Uh, and so I had all of the confidence of a 19 year old, like I knew everything there was yeah. to know. Sure. Um, and I was having a conversation with not even an acquaintance, like literally a random dude in a tent on the quad at college. Um, and he happened to be Muslim because so the University of Tulsa is very well known for its petroleum engineering program. Okay. And I so a lot of students that makes from, sense. yeah. So a lot of students from African or uh, Middle Eastern countries will kind of the, the their corporations will send them to school in Tulsa and then you know they sell their soul to the company for a span of time that that sort of deal okay um and so there was a large number of uh people who were Muslim at this school and he and I were talking and it was just again completely random conversation but um we start talking about like Basically, he bluntly asked me the question, do you think that I'm going to hell? Mm. And I, in all of my confidence, I am 19 years old and I know everything there is to know about everything, yes. said, I don't, I, don't, I don't like it, but yes, I think so. And, now, and that was a classic well, 19 yeah. year old response. Of and then, to, but, and then I followed up with, well, don't you think the same thing of me? Mm. And he said, no, wow. I think God is the judge. And that like, that moment has stuck with me mm. now all, all these like 20 years later, um, because like, isn't that really like the point, right? Like it's not up to us to make those calls. <laughs> Right. Actually, Jesus told us just love each other. Just right. do that. Like, and, and it's it's not <laughs> our job to love, look at our churches and right. go like you're good, you're not, because mm -hmm. Jesus says, like, eh, you know, the weeds will grow up and the and the weed will grow up and you just sort it out at harvest time. <laughs> like, but we always go, but I'm aren't I the harvester? And Jesus is like, No, nah. <laughs> no, nah, you're not. Like and, and that. So knowing that, like, it's, it's made it so I don't care about those questions anymore. Mm. Like, I don't care. 
Like, I'm, I'm just not worried about someone else's salvation. That is not my problem. Was that freeing when you got to that oh, moment? When I got there, it was so freeing. Because I'm like, I, it doesn't, like, I don't need to win souls for the kingdom. Like, I don't need to, like, preach the perfect sermon that convinces people to follow Jesus. Like, I just need to do my thing. Right. Like, and God will sort that out. <laughs> like, um, and so not having that pressure, um, it means like, I don't have to sit there and like objectify my non-Christian friends and worry about where they're going when they die, because I'm like, that's not my problem. Do, do you think it helped you to tell the story of who Jesus was better too? Hmm. Absolutely. Um, so one of the, it was one of the readings for one of our classes. Uh, the, That's very specific, Mike. I yeah. know. Um, <laughs> it, but it was talking about how like. The, a recent one? A recent one. Yeah. Okay. The, this, this current round of classes that we're currently enmeshed in reading for. Yeah. Um, it was talking about how, like the church's job. And like the church's job is not to be the kingdom of God. Mm. The church's job is to announce the kingdom of God and invite to the kingdom of God, mm. but also to know that no is an acceptable answer to the invitation. Mm. Um, and that like, that's a, that is something that like gave, it made concrete something that I had been thinking about for a really long time. And it, and it just kind of was like, Oh, it it was the thing that put everything together for me, I guess. Uh, because yeah, like we're we don't need to make people say yes. We don't have to convince, we don't have to cajole, we don't have to like do any of these things. The spirit is gonna handle that sort that side of things. Mm. Like, but we always present the invitation and we always announce that God's way is different. That 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 speaks to me of like a, a an authenticity of self, right? Yeah, it's like you know, like you were talking about because someone's not successful or whatever earlier on in the thing. That like idea that you are that of like you are authentically a child of God, and like you don't need any other certificates than that. Like really mm -hmm. embodying and understanding that does seem like the more and more that becomes something one feels in their core right the the less the less desire there is to i don't know not to correct certain things like if you were holding mm -hmm. a hammer wrong i'd correct you right i'm not right. like whatever but well, and, if you and, understand yeah. what i'm saying like it, it it it's like i can do these things that i feel called to do and recognize that a part of that calling has nothing to do with whether or not you're going to heaven or hell. Well, and, and it's freeing to be able to say to someone who isn't a Christian to say, hey, like, I think you're making a wrong decision, not because like it's something that is outside of my whatever my own worldview is. I think you're making a wrong decision for you. And for the way that you see the world because I care and 
I care about you and I want you to be the best you you can be. Mm. And it doesn't, and the best them that they can be is not dependent on them being a Christian. Like the the best them that they can be is whoever they're going to be because I don't have to worry about their following Jesus. Right. I, that, I mean, that makes sense to me. It also brings me to my final question. Uh-oh. Oddly, right? And you know. <laughs> I know what's coming. You know what's coming. And I've been dreading it. You have even dreading oh, it. Oh, yes. Embrace it. Because I was a Transformers kid. Like, I. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I love a Transformer too. Don't get like, we could talk about that. We can also talk about the Transformers. Yeah. But like, um, and I, I mean, who doesn't love? I mean, I don't think there was a kid who grew up at our in our eras and I was a whole decade ahead of you that didn't love the transformers and they still continue. Like I mean, oh, yeah. so, so sidebar, right. Side, sidebar sidebar is that for one of my son's birthdays, they were, they were really into um, transformers for several okay. years because why Good. transformers are awesome. Yes, exactly. Right? And Bumblebee was the favorite. Oh, okay. And then, um, a, but so they wanted a bumblebee cake and I take great joy in making my children's birthday cakes. Okay. I don't want to go buy them. Um, and I will buy literally everything else, but there's some, I think it's because like my mom always did them, you know, by the way, every one I make look wise, Pinterest fail. <laughs> like, like it's not taste wise. Okay. okay. But look wise, like Pinterest I got you. Do you remember that, uh, it was the show that was on Netflix for a minute that, uh, um, nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. That, are we talking that level or oh, like, for sure. Okay. So no, not quite, but, <laughs> but like not great. And, uh, anyway, so after I had done it and like, you know, posting the pictures or whatever, and of course, then the, the following year they wanted Optimus Prime, uh -huh. which, which I just which made is harder, up. much harder, right? Much harder. But my, one of my siblings was like, why didn't you just make a rectangle game and say, that's what it transformed into. <laughs> just like paint it like ice it yellow and okay. put a black stripe down it and be like, oh, Bumblebee transformed into a perfectly rectangle oh, game. And I was like, ah, oh, if only I had thought about that. Yeah. Anyway, so the question, I, I gave you a little more buffer to okay. ease into the question, Mike, is um, yes, if you were, fully embodied, authentically you, <laughs> as a Care Bear, what color Care Bear would you be? And what is that symbol uh, of love, symbol that you are projecting in pure love out into the world? So, so at the risk of um, utterly throwing out everything that we've read in a book about race, uh, I'm going to say white, but only because Polar bears are my very favorite bear. There is nothing wrong with so, white. Yeah. There's nothing like, wrong. I just, yeah. I, I love a, a polar bear. So like I'm, I'm picturing like a, just a slightly, like slightly grizzled old polar bear. Mm -hmm. um, and like the symbol is actually the harder part. Um, yeah. I... I would, you know, I would almost say like, and, and I'm not like, I'm not there, but 
where I would want to be is just like an open hand. Oh, okay. Like, and I don't, I don't quite know how many directions I can unpack that. Um, but yeah, like not like a like a high fivey hand, but like a yes, like an like, outstretched yeah, hand. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in one of the readings that we had to do, talks about how width is the most powerful theological right, right. word, right? And that that to me, that open hand gesture that you're describing is that same concept of width, which is like walking alongside somebody, yeah, being with somebody. Being, right. being there for someone, especially the someone who doesn't have anyone. Mm -hmm. I would I would also say for me, it's a being with the somebody that you don't want to be with. Well, yeah, well, that's harder. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it is way harder. Yeah. It is it is difficult. Uh, yeah, that I mean, that's but that's to the that, to be with the people who like really you're like, I have no there are several not several that that was a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> there are people that I meet that I'm like, I don't not like you. But I struggle to under, like, I just, it's not a hatred. Like, I'm not a middle school girl mm -hmm. anymore. Well, I am at sometimes, some days and moments. Are, but like, aren't in we general, all sometimes yes. middle school girls? <laughs> yes. Um, but like that cattiness that I feel like was so prevalent in mm -hmm. middle school, like that righteousness or whatever, like, you know, whatever. Um, that felt very much like my inner 13 year old coming out the way I just said whatever. Yeah. But, but, but there it's those yeah. people that like, you just don't click with, you don't enjoy their presence. No. Um, and it's, those are the ones that are the hardest, but, but it's at the same time. Way. Yeah, exactly. I, when, I feel like I'm, we're on the same struggle right but, here. <laughs> but when you, when I've actually like, had the chance to actually be with someone like that. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean like, and, and not just like the me being present to them, but them actually being present back. Yes. Like those turn into the moments that are the most valuable. Yes, they, uh, for sure. Those like places of, um, well, one of our classmates, Jeff calls them those, those places of resistance, right? Yeah. But that, like that holy resistance is worth on, unpacking to see like what 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 is that because it isn't it isn't a hatred for by any stretch right. of imagination um and, and maybe we won't ever get to a point where we'd be inner circle kind of friends or relationships but there certainly is a lot in between mm -hmm. hatred and inner circle right right like there are a lot of scales and i can I could be present for somebody that I struggle to understand without, you know, and at the same time, not want to change them. Right. right? And, and that's, that's always the hard part, right? It's that um, like, not, and, and then it goes back to kind of that, that authenticity of being, yeah. Um, because that's the trap that's so easy. Like, and I remember something, it was in a, it was probably in a TV show or a movie, um, but it was so profound. Yeah. It was this idea of like, 
it, it was talking about a relationship of like if you love if you can't love someone the way they are then they are not going to change. Like you can't count on them changing. So you either need to be okay with it or just remove yourself from that situation because yeah. that you can't count on somebody changing. So I will say, I love this movie, right? I love this movie in general, except for one, one line. One line in this movie that was like, literally everywhere at the time it came out but i didn't i was like Ugh! didn't like it then don't like it now was jerry Maguire. oh that, I you, love that's jerry so Maguire. stupid i hate that line too do you know what i'm talking I about i hate that line it's so no it's awful. i love him for the laurel i love him for the man he almost is and the man he wants to be oh and see I thought Is that you were not going, where you were going. No, I thought oh. you were going for the awful you complete me one. Oh no. I mean that also, I mean, I guess both of those lines are not because that, one's, that one yeah. irritates me more because okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you love him for who he almost is and who he wants to be, but not who he right. is in yeah. any way, shape, or form in this present moment. What if he stays there? Does that mean you don't love him? Like I, I was having, yeah, I had yeah. a lot of problems with that, that line. Yeah, there. That's, and and I think, I think but of that the way that sentiment of you complete me is embedded in that. Oh right? yeah, yeah. The, the ways that that we have traditionally, and we as in like the big church, the ways that we have done evangelism all have that. Like I love you, but I love you more if you follow Jesus. Mm. I love you, but you need to follow, like, it, it has that you need to change embedded in so much of it. Um, and it's and it's being with, like, it, it, yeah. it makes this impossible. Right. It's, and it, it makes it into this, just like, it, it makes it gross. Yeah, like, I can I I I think we're going to have to unpack that more when we're actually face to face. We might might even result in a movie night where I bring Jerry Maguire. Oh, there we go. Watch <laughs> it, but, um just so we can like hear those lines. No, I do I do sincerely like that movie a lot. That but that that yeah. is the moment I don't. Um but I have absolutely enjoyed having you as my guest today. It Mike, has been a lot you. of fun. Thank I appreciate you. Appreciate the invite. Being on, yeah, I I glad you you were able to join, and um, I look forward to chatting again. Absolutely.